0: Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low,
1: but
0: just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high
1: school. All right. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Huda. Zim, say what's up? What's going on,
0: world? Hello, world. We got a very, very special show this evening. I'm pretty excited. I got my guy bengal's gym i've been calling them the king the lord of the parking lot forever even when i didn't know anything about anything it was one guy that i
2: i definitely spotted in the parking lot at paul brown bengal's Jim, what's up tonight man tell mm-hmm. people how man you? hey who day everybody thanks for having me guys i'm excited about this tonight thanks for having me
1: yeah definitely if you guys are not following bingo Jim's youtube channel please be sure to t- to follow that. I have it in the description and the link of this video. So please be sure to do that and also follow him on Twitter.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I guess I just want to start off by just saying like, tell the people like it's some younger kids that follow us. It's some older guys that follow us that maybe never been to Paul Brown or maybe never caught you on Twitter or never seen some of the stuff that you do. Tell everybody like, What's the background? How did you get this involved with the Bengals?
2: Man, I don't even know, man. It's just a love and a passion for the team, man, taking it to another level, man. That's that's, that's about it, man. But since I've been little, man, I've been I've been in it like this, man. So I wish we had social media back in the day. We would have had a lot more fun <laughs> <laughs> or a lot more trouble, depending on how you look at it. But no, man, I've been a fan since I've been 10, man. And, you know, I, I – um, built some relationships within the organization over the years. And, uh, you know, I ran their fan club, uh, from 99 to about 2003, it was run by the fans for the fans, but we needed NFL sign off Bengals sign off. And so through that, we made a lot of good relationships through the organization that are still there that uh, just a lot of good people in the front office and got to meet people like you guys, man, you know, we, you know, you, you think you're the only fan a Bengal fan in certain areas, but man, through that fan club time, we realized it wasn't just a Cincinnati thing or, uh, throughout the country, man, man, we, we have people coming to our tailgate over the years from 43 states and 28 different countries. So Bengal nation just, it's not local, man. It is, it is worldwide and it's no joke. And I know, uh zim i think you were in london uh About just saying, you remember how i met you mm-hmm. yeah I I yep.
0: it might have been a couple drinks in
2: i think it might have been might have been I a couple
0: it. drinks but i i definitely walked into you at the bar and you know and it was all love it was positive and, and i remember yep. like the yeah i remember when i met you i had never saw you that close before i saw you at a tailgate before but i you know i do remember meeting you somewhat Yep. In, in London.
2: Yeah, man. So you you got to see it, Zim. Bengal, Bengal nations worldwide. Man, it's no joke, man. People can say what they want, but there are diehard fans all over the place.
1: Yeah, definitely for sure. Like me being uh, from Cincinnati and growing up there, and and seeing all of that culture, and then moving to Florida, and then seeing like so many Bengals fans down here, it was it just kind of threw me off. Like I would go out and. Just see, of course, like Bengals car decals and stuff like that. And I'm saying a hootay, and I'm having conversations with guys here at the Publix, and it's always like, you know, how are you a Bengals fan? There's always either some kind of tie to Cincinnati, or it was that they like Chad Johnson, or it was just that they just fell in love with the uniform. So that's like the dopest part because me and my wife, she's from Detroit, so she's like a Lions fan. So um, she's not really into the Bengals per se, but. We went to a Jacksonville game down here, and it was like preseason. And people were like, why are you going to a, a preseason football game? I'm like, it's the Bengals. This is my team. They don't come to Florida like that. And it was funny because when I went to the Jack stadium, it was like Bengals fans took it over. It was insane. There were a whole bunch of Bengals fans there. We were cheering and everything. And at halftime, we went out, and you just see all of these, like, Bengals fans and my wife was like, "You guys like really turned out." And I'm like, "Yeah, we have some diehard fans, and we're not just in Cincinnati. We are all true. over the place."
2: True, true. They and, and the NFL can can their narrative. You know, the the Green Bay's and the Pittsburgh. I'm telling you, man, uh, I've been to 28 different NFL cities, and Bengal fans travel. Let me tell you.
1: Yeah,
0: we do, sure. Am I the only one that – I I hate that question when I get it the condescending way when somebody meets me and they say, how do you become a Bengals fan? You know the reason I started my page in social media or whatever is so I can eliminate that. Like when you meet a Steelers fan or whatever, like nobody ever says, how do you become a Steelers fan, right? They just accept it. And I think because True. the history is just like – so unlucky and so you know unfulfilling for some or whatever. It just raises this question. You got this na- this national narrative that you know, like, uh, did you see the tweet where the guy's saying the thing about the Chiefs? He's like, oh, this is what the offense would look like if uh, Joe Burrow. And I mean, I don't know, like, and I feel like those are some of the reasons why they, when we look at the Hall and we and we talk about some of the guys that we're going to talk about today, I feel like we get slighted because of this national joke. That just keeps on getting perpetuated until all these people that casually just watch football or don't watch the Bengals. Because had you watched the Bengals today, and no game was Joe Burrow running in circles. Was he hit? Yes, he was. Did he drop back a lot? Yes, he was. But he wasn't running in circles, looking like like Pat Mahomes was with that that line. The line was never that bad, in my opinion.
2: Hey, hey Zim, Ace, but you know what? Hey, just wait till next year. The jokes on them. They're not gonna be asking us anymore because uh, it's right. it's going down next year, man.
0: Yeah, right, hundred yeah, percent. But um, I, I talked about like briefly just about like the Hall of Fame slight or whatever. You had a show. I think it's been about like two or three weeks now. But like, just talk about like you you do a show all the time. Like, let's get that clear for everybody. But you had a very special show that I tuned into. I didn't get a chance to catch all
2: of it. But tell everybody about like everybody that was on that panel because it was star studded. Man, it was a uh, total beyond what we could even thought it would turn out to be. So we did a Super Bowl 16 special, uh, where we had a lot of relationships with all the former players. So, um, we had Chris Collinsworth on Ken Anderson, Anthony Munoz, my man, Pete Johnson, Reggie Williams, Pat McAnally. I'm forgetting somebody we had seven, of them. but we had all these guys on the screen at one time. And we, our biggest concern was that were they going to step on each other? They couldn't get a conversation is, um, it, it, it was, uh, I'm sorry, Dave Lapham was the, the seventh on there. We had Gary Burley was supposed to to make it. Gary Burley uh, was kind of a backup lineman in, in, in 81 and 82 at that point. But But man, the conversations, the stories, I thought I've heard them all. And that show, that episode, man, we went way long. We we were talking before we came on air tonight about trying to stick to a schedule. Man, we just let it go because right. those, guys, those guys just had so much fun. And to hear some of the conversations and and those guys banter back and forth, how they were, you know, Chris Consworth was was kind of nudging Pete a little bit about wearing pantyhose in the freezer bowl, and Pete was, I, he goes, Chris, I ain't wearing no pantyhose. What are you do? <laughs> it was it was a blast, man. And and I'll tell you. Um, I did not expect it to turn out like that because we didn't know. until we didn't know Chris Collins was officially going to show up until about two hours before the show. Oh, wow. and, and I'll do a quick story. So I, for two weeks prior to that, I got the okay from everybody, even Chris. So that afternoon, I'm like at whatever, six o'clock show was at eight. I'm texting the group because I gave him format what we we're going to be doing. And I said, Pat McEnelly a text. I thought he was texting me directly. And Pat goes, Pat goes, I'm really looking forward to tonight. And I was like, I responded, thinking I'm responding to Pat McAnally, not the whole group. I said, Pat, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Hey, by the way, Chris has ghosted us, man. We we, we haven't heard from him in two weeks. He said he was going to be here. And I sent it. And like a second later, Pat direct texted me directly. He says, I bet you get a response from him now. <laughs> and, and then Chris, Chris came like two minutes after that and said, Guys, I witnessed this party for the world, and I felt way better after
0: that. (laughs) Isn't it crazy though? Do you I I know I'm sorry, but like I think about Chris Collinsworth and I think about like the evolution of PFF, and and I just think about like all these different things that he's been a part of, and it's just so crazy to see like him at this state in 2020. Like, you know, like I don't know, like I'm I'm I wasn't really old enough to really witness him, you know, like from that standpoint. But when I ask like you know, older Bengals fans. And they tell me about like how good he was. It's just so crazy to like see the perspective in the businessman
2: that he's turned into. Like. Yeah. And it was cool to see him outside the TV environment, his announcing. He was just kicked back, having fun, um, you know, the whole, the whole whole nine on that Super Bowl special. But if you guys haven't watched that show, man, uh, if you if you're watching right now, that is one, you don't have to watch anything else. You will have a smile on your face the entire time. I got a text message or an email from the organization yesterday. Um, a lot of people in the front office got to watch that episode. They loved it, man. It's 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 a great oh, one.
1: Yeah, it definitely was a great one for sure. Bringing all of that history back. One thing that I want to ask you about, because I think you do a great and wonderful job about giving the kind of what it was like to be a Bengals fan in the '70s and '80s, and, and from that historic standpoint, for someone like me who kind of came up through like that '90s era, I didn't, haven't really seen this success outside of like. 2005 2015 but that's nothing compared to actually going to a Super Bowl could you just talk about like that run what was it like back then for those who may be too young like me to know what it was like to go to the Super Bowl or to have that kind of team and that kind of star power you talked about Ken Anderson winning the MVP what was that like to be a Bengals fan back then
2: yeah that's crazy like in in 81 I, I was 10 years old that was the first year I ever really got to watch football start to finish just hell of a year to start watching it the way I did. The only thing I I just remember that year, I remember bits and parts of the games and a lot of different things that happened. But the thing that really sticks out to me the most is, and again, I didn't get outside of Cincinnati at that age, but I've never seen this city the way, I mean, we have the Cincinnati Reds here who I love the Reds. We have the UC Bearcats, Xavier Musketeers, love them all. I'm a home. I'm a home. I'm a homer when it comes to sports here in Cincinnati, but um, I've been to the Reds. I have seen the Reds win world series, but this town has never been, like it was when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl in '81 and '88. Like I can't even begin to tell you how crazy this town was. Uh, but you know, to the, the rookie Chris Collinsworth, everybody loved that dude. Um, you know, Ken Anderson, and then we got to the. You know, they had some good years in the mid '80s there as well. '87, they should have made the playoffs. Uh, but in '88, uh, the way it all came together in '88 was special uh, as well. But man, I, I don't know how to explain it, man. It just—I I remember when I was real young, my, I was 16, I could get a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first job I got was being a peanut, uh, selling peanuts and pop at the Bengals and Reds games. And mm-hmm. the only reason I got it was to go down, I would sell, make about 60 bucks the first half. And the second half, I'm walking around watching the game when I'm 15, mm-hmm. 16 years old. That's why I got the job. But the city was crazy, man, and the Super Bowl runs that, you know, um, is crazy. You know, when you talk to a lot of people around the world, how they became Bengal fan. The older, first game I ever watched was the Super Bowl in '88. Uh, I get a lot of that, you know, and uh, it was awesome. And then, then we both, all three of us, got to experience that '90s, which was. Thank God for Jeff Blake and Corey Dillon and those guys later in the 90s. But Dave right. Shulas and the David Klinglers of the world, that was a de- debacle, uh, the lost decade. But the 80s the '80s was awesome. I was too young to remember the 70s. Uh, I never really got to see the Bengals playing the old pumpkin head helmets uh, like over my shoulder here. I'm intrigued with the 70s and the history and the great teams that they had uh, in the 70s that totally just get lost in history. And and one of the things we're trying to do, myself, James, Jamie, and, and Tom is – Keep that history alive, man. The team's doing a lot better job of that right now. But how can we start, you know, just educating and help people understand that that '70s and '80s and even the '90s as bad as we were, we had some damn good ball players, guys. No, right,
1: that's, that's for sure. Go that ahead, was bro. one
2: of the
0: questions I was going to ask you. Is that you know, there's a lot of pessimistic Bengals fans currently right now. There's probably some in in, in the live tonight, right? At this lowest point, you know, and I know you and every single time that we talk, it's always positive conversations. At this lowest point, did you ever feel like, like, maybe I get a second team? Maybe I, like, think of, uh, you know, like, something else or anything. Like, because I do meet people that say, hey, this is it for me. Or, oh, the Browns are my second team. Or the Bills are my second team. Or weird, like, well, not weird, but things that are unnatural to me. Like, you know, like, at
2: its worst, did you ever feel like that? Never, something- never. Never, ever, not once, uh, I will tell you. um, Why? Why do you uh, feel like that? Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's a lot of, it has to do with, um, I'm a Cincinnati guy through and through. And and I will never, ever root for a football team outside this city um, is the way I felt. But, you know, I got to see the 90s as it got later in the 90s and early 2000s. People had different people have breaking points, man. You know, they were like, you know, done with it. And I've got to see that over the years and over the decades, like some people are just done, tired of the losing or tired of not winning a Super Bowl or, you know, the the old 90 narratives, which is all gone. They're still living in the past. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's just me, man. The, the passion and love I have for this organization, this team, uh, the players, um, they can say, People can say anything they want, man. I'm here, regardless, win or lose. And it is funny though how you you hear that, like like the Cubs fans, baseball, as awful they were for decade after decade after decade. Oh, those are the most loyal fans in the world. Bengal fans, the, the last decade, it's been 30 years since we won a playoff <laughs> game. We are the most loyal fans in the world, guys. Let me tell you, right. I, I love this city and I love this organization. I love the team. Uh, I am ingrained in this, man. I, I'm 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 never leaving.
1: No, I'm with <laughs> I'm with you, Bengal Jim. It's funny because. Uh, those early like 2000s and late 90s, that was when I became a fan. And that's what kind of made my fanship so strong because it's easy to cheer for a team when they're successful. Right. Like when the Patriots started getting good, um, talking about the Drew Bledsoe era and stuff like that, it's easy to jump on a bandwagon for a team like that. I remember what Jim is talking about. That was like the lowest point was like the early 2000s. That's when a lot of people in Cincinnati were just giving up and stuff like that. You're talking about Gus Farad. Like these were (laughs) bad teams, like Achilles Smith, all of those guys. And so I remember being at an age where I was more into knowing what was going on with football at that time. And that's when I moved right back to Cincinnati around probably say like 2001, 2002. So I was more aware of what was going on. And that made me appreciate it. To where in 2004, when we go eight and eight with uh, Marvin Lewis, I'm celebrating like it's a Super Bowl. Like I'm acting like it's a Super Bowl because it's like I'm used to winning one or two games a season. And then it goes into 2005 where for me, for my era, that was like when the city was was going crazy. When we had Palmer, like Uh. the whole city had the energy. People who had given up being Bengals fans were going in their closets pulling out all of their old jerseys, throwing them on. Like, the whole city was recharged. I remember that. And to just go from where we were to where we are and where we've been, it just made me appreciate it more because I remember how bad it was. Like, I went to the Corey Dillon game where he broke the record because no one wanted the tickets. People were like, give me Bengals (laughs) tickets back in those days. And I remember being at that game, and I didn't even know at the time until, like, probably 15 or 20 years later that that was the first win in Paul Brown stadium. I didn't even know that like when I was at the game and I remember that game and I remember like how the crowd was and other games that stick out to me too. I went to another one where it was like Rudy Johnson. It was the game. where Corey Dillon gets in an accident on the way to, Paul Brown Stadium, Rudy Johnson comes in. I remember being in the stadium where they created the Rudy chant. I was at that game. I think it was against the Seahawks, Sean Alexander or something like that. So those memories, it. man, they just, they just, I remember how bad it was with Dick LeBow. I remember all of that. So that's, that's what's like, going
2: to make it that much sweeter, Ace. When we win this right. thing, oh my gosh, exactly. I will be crying like a little baby. I'm just telling you oh, right now.
1: For sure, hey, man. That's for my sure. message
0: to uh, so many people and I think, you know, like, I, I think a lot of people that follow, like, how I be, you know, like, I'm, I'm from D.C. Uh, when I was traveling, like, uh, with my dad across the country, found out I had family members in Cincinnati and stuff, I was originally a big-time Bearcats fan. So oh, I, was, yeah. Bearcats. I was going to a lot of oh, Bearcats fans. Um, and, and, and part of that, my friends, like, back home in D.C. and stuff, they would be like, so you a Bengals fan and stuff now? And then at, at first I used to be like, I mean, nah, I, I just check them out and I would go to some games and stuff. And then before I knew it, like I just I was just hooked. And I think it's like it's a special type of person. I always tell people that um, I do get offended by the question. Like, how did you become a Bengals fan? Because I just don't feel like other people get asked that. Right. But overall, it's a special person that has to be very, very strong minded. You have to have tough skin and you have to be able to deal with adversity. And a lot of people that are bandwagon fans or a lot of people or a lot of the messages that I put out to people, I'd be like, hey, uh, why don't we go get this guy or whatever? And they'd be like, man, we ain't never going to get that whatever because they're used to something not going that way. (laughs) That's right. Whereas, Whereas in my mind, like I when I when I have things that don't work my way, I just remember it. I learn from it and I just keep on going. And I just been like that my whole life. And I just think it matches up with like what the Bengals were, you know, like all that time. And I will look at these teams, you know, like even teams. And when I really, really got in golf and I started like really, really digging into Bengals, like uh, football, I will go look at teams that I'm like, damn, that team, like they had this guy, this guy, this guy, like, you know, start finding out about Kim Riley, uh, Max Montoya, like all this, they had these guys and they didn't win a chip, you know, like, and I'm just thinking like, this is like the story of my life. You know, like I've got all the talent. I am I got all the pieces, but I was just missing one different thing. And I just feel like it aligns with it. And a lot of different people, I just think that go to the bandwagon, just aren't in it for the long haul. And, you know, like maybe they're spoon fed a couple things. You know, I don't know. I just-
1: You gotta be be in it for the long haul of, of this team because I think one thing, one other effect of that is, that's how I got into the draft was because of the Bengals. Because I wanted this team to get better. So it made me research and look into certain players. Like I remember being- I feel like in Tri-County Mall, and I think this was the year that we drafted Chris Perry, and I wanted us to take Steven Jackson. I was like, okay, it's a no-brainer. Steven Jackson's there. I had done all my research on him. We're going to take Steven Jackson. And I remember being there, and I think we were like in a furniture store, and I'm like in the entertainment section waiting for this draft to happen with my dad. And then all of a sudden, if people remember, if anyone remembers that draft, the draft clock literally gets down to like the last 30 seconds or a minute, and then it switches to, to the Rams. And so in my head, I'm like, oh, they've got Marshall Falk. There's no way There's no way they're going to take Steven Jackson. The Bengals moved back, I think, like three some odd spots, and then they took Steven Jackson, and then we took Chris Perry. So for me, it was just always something that made me start to learn about different college players and how to make this team better and get better players just from that that whole that whole thing. And I think as a Bengals fan, you always start in the draft season and then we get to free agency, we get through the season, and then it's almost like the same cycle where you want them to get better and better each year. And then I remembered it going from the Bengals wouldn't take the players that I wanted, especially when you talk about and no, nothing against Jerome Simpson or anything like that. I wanted Deshaun Jackson all the way back then. But then you get to the point where in 2011 – they take my guy, which was A.J. Green. I have been watching every single highlight. I was like, this guy is the guy, and they took him. And I just remembered the feeling of joy that overcame me like i literally jumped off of the couch and jumped in the air when they drafted this guy and that was kind of the progression of where it started is like how we're talking now if they take jamar chase zim is probably going to jump off the couch right
0: (laughs) i was going to go
2: there with that
0: but no but i i'm I'm a i'm a pin i'm a pin that guy too and not to cut off your your thought go ahead please continue that thought but i do want to ask jim like what what is some of your favorite drafts? Like, what? Is, like, because I felt like that's a good one. Like, where's one that maybe you just knew, like, this was the one and this and, and you, like, so pumped up about?
2: Well, it's funny. Uh, the ones I were pumped up about probably didn't turn out the best. Uh, so, I remember being just hyped up when they drafted, uh, when they made that trade up to get Kajana Carter. Okay. I was, I was. Geek, because that was my guy in college at Penn State. Man, I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Again, he got hurt. It was, every, it was
0: everybody's guy. Huh? Yeah,
2: I loved. I love Kajana, man. Um, and I guess really beyond that, I guess the draft, uh, the the Carson Palmer pick uh, oh, yeah. was was the pick I was excited about. I just remember hearing Dave Lapham and all these guys, and the, you know, uh, all the local sports guys talking about. Uh, the Bengals will have – will win some rings with Carson Palmer at quarterback, so, you know, within the next so many years. Uh, so I would say Kajana Carter, for some reason, I was so jacked about, and I was pretty pumped about Carson Palmer with they draft him as well. So I was pumped
0: about
1: P-Dub. I don't think I've, I've ever admitted P-Dub. this publicly. Oh, well, it was him. Yeah, oh, you're right. So, so I
0: forgot about I thought, like, I, went in, I got two Ward jerseys as soon
2: as – That was my first Bengals jersey was a pair yep, of Ward jerseys. So I remember when he got drafted, uh, we had a draft party down at PBS for for him, uh, PBS. And then we drove down to the airport, Lunkin Airport, when he got off the private jet and we had a group of fans. He was <laughs> So we got to see him come off the plane as he was getting in the, in the car to head to Paul Brown to sign the contract. So that was awesome. P-Dub was a good one, too.
1: P-Dub was a good one. I haven't admitted this publicly, but one that I was like super excited about. Ray Maluga in the second round. I was pumped about that pick. I'm not going to lie.
0: That was a good pick, though. I mean, like, a lot of different people, like, you know, that criticize sometimes when I'm, like, kind of high up on a guy or something like that, or he might have had a couple good years in the league, or I'm looking at the average shelf life of a lot of these guys. It's very, very short. For Ray Malaluga to to do what he did in the league for for that amount of time at that position. Yep. I don't. I don't know. Depending on who you ask, like you know, like do you consider people that get hurt a bust? Like that's a question that I I always ask people. Like
2: so, so me personally, so they always call Kajana Carter a bust. I'm telling you, I'm sorry if he doesn't get hurt. He was a different ball player in the NFL after he got hurt, man. i mean, again, it was too early. He got hurt. We used to sit by his family in the in the old Riverfront Stadium Synergy Field. Um, I, people call him a bust. I do not consider him a bust. I do consider people like David Klingler a bust mm-hmm. and Achilles Smith a bust. I do not consider um, my guy, uh, Kajana Carter, a bust. But that's a great point, Zim.
1: I don't consider Peter Wark a bust either. Like, Mm -mm. a lot of people are like, oh, Peter Wark was a bust. I was like, "No." no. Do you remember when he was coming on, like, that Kansas City Chiefs? Like, literally the year before he got released, he was coming on. And then he ended up having, like, that ankle injury, and they ended up moving on from him. But I couldn't believe, like, I remember I had mentioned something about Peter Warwick, and I was shocked to see, like, the negative words that were said about him. I was like, P-Dub, like, the last year that he was here, he was coming on. Can you you imagine?
2: I just think that, you know, there's different eras of football, man. I think P-Dub in today's era of football would be outstanding. I mean, outstanding. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I love P-Dub too, man. Man, we're going back. There's one thing I didn't think we'd hear tonight, Chris Perry's name. I didn't think that would come Chris up tonight at all.
1: Chris Perry had a good first season, too. <laughs> he did. Remember he that did. he had, like, 50 receptions or something crazy like that. It was
2: solid at, at, yeah, that first year.
0: Let me – like, let's, let's move forward to 2021. Let's go 2021. We talked about the past a little bit. Tailgating, right? So, I've been – you know, for people that live under a rock and don't know – Tell people about like there's a lot of people and I and I feel like this too, because I do like a live. Um uh me and Ace do a live every Sunday, right? From home. Nice and comfy, nice and warm. A lot of people that say, Man, I'd rather watch Bengals games at home. And I'd be like, I'm kind of I like both, you know, like, but when you go to the game, like tell people about the experience and like, you know, like what you've done because one thing that I do tell people and I and I and I've just wrote like, you know, come to the Tailgate King, Bengals Gym, you know, I joke about it, but you really are like that dude out there, right? But tell people like like what what could they expect coming to Paul Brown, like hitting that parking lot?
2: Yeah, so so a normal non-COVID environment, man. Uh, you know you know, we're, we're down there seven, eight o'clock in the morning. It's, it's an event, man. So when, when, when football season comes around, I'm telling people at church, they, they say, bye, we'll see you now after, after football season. But, but it's, it's an all day event. It is friends, family, all ages, all walks of life, people that we would never meet outside of football. Like us three, we meet, have fun. We have, you know, uh, Margarita Towers, Bloody Mary Bar. I got a, a real good friend of mine is owner of a brewery here in, in town, 16 Lot, who brings beer down for us. Um, we have tons of food, uh, great music when I'm playing the music, not James. When James, my buddy James got it, he's playing some country stuff, but I got the good stuff, guys. Uh, but we have fun. We, we got a lot of player, former players that come down. Uh, it, it is just a great time, a great event. You know, we start packing up about 20 after 12, 1230-ish. We get in right about right about kickoff but it's, it's a great time. We do a lot of fun events. We have a lot of media come down and and join us as well, but a lot of former players, but we have people coming in from all over. Like I said earlier, man, we have this giant map of the world and the country on there and people come down and put a pin where they're from. And you, you should see this map. It's crazy. 40 something States, 43 States, I think 28, 23, 28 different countries. Um, it's a fun, fun time. And and usually when people come in guys, it's, it's, um, if they're coming in Saturday, I'm taking them out Saturday. We're doing stuff Saturday as well, showing them around town. But it's the tailgate didn't stop after the game. The Bengals win. We're staying in that parking lot for a few more hours as well. It's a 7 in the morning to a 7, 8 at night uh, event. And uh, I will tell you, Cincinnati tailgating, not just our tailgating, we got anywhere between two to 400 people show up at a tailgate. And, and you don't have to pay to get in. You just come show up and have a good time. But at one point, I think in the early two thousand, late 90s, uh, Cincinnati was ranked number five, top five in the, in the NFL in tailgating. Oh, and tailgating. And I'm just telling you, you know, the, the NFL narrative is tailgating in Lambeau or tailgating in Pittsburgh. I've been to 28 different NFL cities, guys. Tailgating is no different um, in, in the cities. It's just with the NFL narrative, what they want you to believe and what they I want you to hear. But I'm telling you, man, it is it is a you will get a lot of unique experiences. And our tailgate is just one of many. But we have so much fun down there, guys, and and it's I love it, man. It's a it's a passion. It's a fun it's a fun time. And remember, it's not just me, man. We have a group of people to put up this production that we put on, man. It's it's a big time event, and uh, we have a lot of people involved helping.
0: Wait till we connect our worlds, and it's going it's going to be on fire. Because I got some ideas. I got I got some stuff. So we're going to talk off air too about this stuff too. But wait till we connect all, all our worlds, and we get all everybody on board with with that.
2: Oh, one. we we got to talk.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely. So, Jim, I got to ask you, obviously, the draft is coming up. Who do you want at five and what do you think the Bengals should do just in this draft?
2: So so here's what's tough, man. I you know, I love the draft talk, man. I'm a draft geek. But but I can't determine what's going to happen in the draft until I what I want them to do a draft until free agency is done. So. Right. So here's my take. If if they can sign one of those, you know, uh, Tooney or Sharif or, or, or Trent Williams. Um, if they sign one of those guys as a starter, um, I don't know if they're going to pay the money. I mean, these guys are asking probably 13 to 15 mil. I don't know if they're gonna pay that for a guard. Trent Williams potentially could be in that mix, uh, for, for probably 12, 12 or 13 mil potentially. But if they get one of those guys, uh, there, um, I, I, I still think if Sewell was there at five, they take Sewell, even if they get one of these guys, uh, in, I'm not mad. In, in my, in my opinion. Now I think. I know you love the receivers, Zim. I know yes, you love Chase. I love the receiver. I love Chase, man. It's, but a, it's, uh, a, re, it's a deep receiving class it, as well, too. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So so I think, I mean, the biggest needs for us is going to be, in my opinion, is the, you know, getting pressure on that quarterback, the edge rusher, and our offensive line. So we've got to get one of these three guys in free agency. Oh, uh, they're going to get one. Yep, I think I think they will. No, I think they will.
0: And, and my argument to people, and it's not even an argument, it's just a thought process. Even if you go that route, and uh, I saw the news earlier that Motown is probably going to get franchised. That's that's the tackle I've really, really been looking at. But, um, yeah, he's going to get franchised. But even if you get Trent, even if you get Tooney, don't stop there. Exactly. Like, just get the, get that guy, maybe get a mid-tier guard or something like that. So now Xavier Sulafido, Spain, uh, and Adeniji, who they have listed as a guard now, they battle it out with the new guy, right? Then you go – but but before you even get to that point, you go to the draft. Now the board's wide open. Now I don't look crazy looking at Jamar Chase just exactly. the same way – I was I wrote a tweet earlier today and it got a lot of traction on it. But I was saying people that are are just poo-pooing this whole Jamar Chase at five or whatever, just because we need a line, right? There were people in the AJ Green draft, I remember, that stood on the table for Tyron Smith. I remember that vividly. They wanted him, Patrick Peterson. It was a couple of other guys that wanted him. But AJ Green was presented to us on the board. They felt good about their line. And I just want us to feel good about the line going into it. If they got Trent and then they came out and go get Panay as well, so be it. Now it's a position of strength. I can run the football wherever the hell I want. I can pass it floor. I got time. And then I go later on in the draft and go get a wide receiver. I just wanted people to be open to yep. the thought process of you don't want to go into the draft thinking like the average fan has been messaging me and saying, Panay's got to be the pick. But what if Panay's not there? Like nah, he you might the not pick. be there, man. He might so, not be there. You know, yeah. So to pigeonhole yourself mentally into this, like, get your hopes up on that, and then and then it's going to be looked at like you reached for Slater, even though I think Slater's good, right? But either way, you can't go into the draft
2: just thinking, like, I'm going to go get this one guy. I just want the board to be open, and that was a message. Yeah, good point. Good point. I mean, there's probably going to be four, four tackles taken in that first round, potentially. And then you got some good guys that, you know, that are that are probably playing tackle right now that but will probably play guard in the NFL. And as that'll reach in the second round, when you got uh uh Leatherwood from Alabama, that guy's a beast, man. And, and now he he might be more suited to play the inside. Inside uh, I'm in going the, him over NFL. the guard for sure. Yeah. So I mean there's there's some it's we some guys. It. I'm going
0: to drop a video on Wyatt Davis, a uh, guard I really yeah. like. I'm going to drop it later on tonight. That's another like, – like, it's it's a ton of guys from the offensive line that will be there in the second round that will be sitting there looking right in our face. And then the same argument be, can be had about guys like, I don't know if you've seen a wide receiver like Rondell Moore. Like, say he drops down. And then you took care of Panay in the first round or different things like that. There's so many different ways to orchestrate. The
1: team. We just we just all have PTSD from Cedric O'Boy, Jake, Fisher, Jake and, Fisher and Joe Burrow getting hurt. And I think, that was, I that think was that's just that's just the issue there is we worry about are they going to pick the right guy? Are they going to solve this problem? Because for me, this problem has been a recurrent issue. Since I want to say about 2017, like ever since Kevin Zeitler and Andrew Whitworth walked out that door, it hasn't just been Joe Burrow with bad lines. It was Andy Dalton before that. So I think a lot of people just want them to finally solve this issue because they've gone about it. They've tried to. They went exactly. out and traded but since and Marvin God, guys, Jones has
0: been gone. It's since Marvin Jones. That's another issue. I feel like Marvin Jones has been gone. That's feel, like has been gone
1: exactly. That's exactly right. There's been certain issues that have been recurring for the Bengals. I would say that it's the offensive line. It's the speed receiver like Sand. Ever since Marvin Jones left, they haven't been able to fill that need. You talk about the linebacker. It's been getting better, I think, with this past season. But ever since Vontez Burfik left, it's always kind of been wide open. I'd even go back as far to say Jonathan Joseph. When we lost after we had Leon Hall, we've always had one good corner. And then we've struggled to kind of fit that second corner where we have the two lockdown guys. Since
2: Yeah, I'll tell you guys, uh, I think that the Bengals had a stretch of great drafts. We had great depth, 13, 14, 15, some of the best depth in the NFL that 14 and 15 year. Um, And then, you know, them letting Zeitler go. To be honest, I wasn't mad about Zeit because the Cleveland Browns made him the highest paid guard in NFL history at the time. Right. We weren't going to do that. Whitworth going was a mistake, but the draft that really killed us, man, the, the downfall of the offensive line that we're trying to recoup, recover from right now uh, was that 15 draft uh, yeah. when, we, you know, those <laughs> – you know, Ed and, and and um uh Fisher. Uh, th- those were going to be our starting – our bookends for a decade, and neither one of them panned out. Right. right.
0: Um, just before we go, because uh, we got we to gotta close this puppy out, we could talk about this all day. I do want to – let me ask you this real quick. Do you keep William Jackson or Lawson if you had to pick one?
2: So I think the, the desperation, you have to keep uh Lawson. The, the 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 rush that we got he's the only one getting consistent rush on a quarterback. Right. And that's a big problem we need to address this offseason as well, there would be a free agency or the or the draft. I'd love to have them both guys, but you gotta keep uh you gotta keep Carl. Gotta keep him.
1: Agreed.
0: Right. Closing out, man, uh Bengals Jen, tell everybody where they can follow you at. Um tell them about the show. Um And where can they, you know, look for you right now?
2: Yeah, just on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, uh, Bengal um, Jim on Twitter. It's Bengal Jim's underscore BTR. BTR stands for before the roar. My buddy James came up with that name uh, for the tailgate. Uh, The the show, the YouTube show that we do is uh, Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. We started that last March. I'm having a lot of fun with that one. Make sure you catch that Super Bowl 16 special, please. You'll love it. I promise you. Um, we're taking a four-week hiatus now. We're just doing some reruns for the next four weeks. We'll be back March 14th. We have huge plans and a lot of big stuff kind of gearing up for that return on March 14th, guys. But uh, it means a lot, you guys uh, having me on, man. I've been uh, watching you guys for a very long time, brothers. And, and it's uh, it's good to see and good to be on with you. That's for sure.
1: Likewise, uh-huh. man, much respect to everything that you do, and we'll definitely have to stop by the tailgate for sure.
2: Yep. Uh beers on me, guys, when you get there.
0: Yes. Sirski, yes. let's thank go.
1: Oh. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am Ace Boogie. He is Zim Hude. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at New Stripe City at Zim Hude. Uh thank you guys for watching. And as usual, Houday. Hello, world.
0: What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too